Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of HR Tech Chat. And with us here today, we have Mike Erlen, who's a co-founder, excuse me, and CEO of Ability Map. Uh, and uh, Mike has the, the um, esteemed distinction of being the very first repeat guest on HR Tech Chat. So uh, 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 remember that, Mike. This is a this is a moment, momentous occasion. And, uh, we... I am truly honored. I am truly honored. <laughs> well, we're honored to have you. Really are. I mean, this is this has just been a, a great ongoing conversation that you and I have been having around uh, yeah. around psychometrics having the right instrument in place to understand what your employer culture is, who the best people are to hire, uh, who's going to, who's going to be a good fit with your organization and uh, where, where hiring organizations go wrong. Uh, not because, you know, not because they're mean or they're just not paying attention. They're just going with what they think is right. And it's not necessarily. And uh, one thing that I'd like to get into today as well is um is uh, just the idea of uh, how AI fits into all of this, because as we know, AI fits into everything. Um, and, um, and also I, I, I would be remiss without, without saying that you join us today from, uh, from down under. So uh, technically it is, I'm speaking to the future right now. You folks are uh, already in tomorrow, which is, I always find that fascinating. You know, I almost, I almost played it again. So Lee and I went for a hike this morning and we go out to this beautiful point looking out over the mountains. And I almost brought my iPad and my cell phone and I was gonna call you from a cliff looking out over Australia. Um, but I had to wait too long and we're in fall and it's bloody cold outside. So I, I'm doing it in the office instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would have been really cool, but, uh, but, uh, but I'm glad you're warm and that, that's, that's <laughs> the uh, most important thing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, do you want to just share with us a little, uh, just again for anyone in our audience who has who hasn't seen the first episode, and I encourage them all to to to, to view it, and we'll include a link with the uh, with the post about this uh, once it goes live. But uh, could you just share with us a little bit of what what Ability Map does, and uh, just uh, sort of the history that led you to that, and it's, it's a fascinating story. Thank you. Um, yeah, I. I uh... Essentially, what AbilityMap is, is a, is a, a business productivity and um, workforce satisfaction uplift solution. Okay, that's essentially what we do. Um, and we do it with SaaS and, you know, uh, it's all current and all that good stuff. Um, the problem statement that our, that our clients were facing and a lot of people continue to face was this persistent one-third problem where about a third of our, any of our workforce just isn't in the right role, isn't producing the way that we need. Um, and we're using all the cool tech that I've been, you know, leading and selling and being involved with for 20 years. And my partner, my co-founder, a guy named Kevin Chandler, is sort of the, uh, you know, the hot dude down here in terms of uh, organizational psychology. And he built a billion and a half dollar company. And, you know, he's been using psychometric assessment for 30 years and building this company, yet he saw it across his business. So the short version is we came in to figure out why all this cool technology and assessment hasn't been getting us a higher degree of productivity and people digging the jobs that they're in. That's what we set out to do. Um, and what we found um, in principle was it's the transferable skills, the human capabilities, formerly called the soft skills, that we sort of glossed over over the last few years that are really making the difference in how humans work together. Surprise, right? Yeah. 
And so we needed to figure out how to define those um, both in a person, which has kind of been done bits and bobs, but more importantly, in the different environments that we're facing. Because if you look at COVID, we've had this massive shift. So you were before the call or uh, the recording, we were talking about workforce productivity and effectiveness in a remote environment. Well, heck, that sort of slapped everyone awake and said, what, what the heck do I have in terms of workforce capability? What do I need? Where are the gaps and how do I go after them? Does that help? Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and it's huge. Uh, you know, it goes, it's huge. I mean, that's probably an understatement. Uh, it, it goes back to some things that we've been writing about at 360 Insights and I've taken a keen interest in is this idea that, you know, as, as humans, uh, we, uh, and I might be getting a little bit ahead here uh, for our conversation, but I just, just want to kind of get this out there. We as humans, we, we have our own idea of what we think is a good match for a certain role, right? And, um, yeah. and it makes sense to us. It's not necessarily that we're, well, we are wrong. <laughs> That's the thing. But but there's no way that we would, I, I just don't think there's a way that we would know that we're wrong. So so it's just these things that you go to, like credentials or, you know, uh, certain, certain uh, types of experience or uh, certain hard skills or whatever. Okay, I need a computer programmer. I need somebody who had a... You know, background with uh, with Java or or something like that. I need somebody who's worked at a couple of uh, the uh, <coughs> um, well-known uh, technology companies developing software for them. These are the things I need. I want to make sure that they were you know really good at coding and all this sort of stuff. And not, it's not that those are bad qualities, but but those aren't necessarily those those might not necessarily be the qualities that that person needs to succeed at your uh, at the given organization, uh, which I let me, let, me, yeah. Yeah, let, me, let me give an example. Just yesterday, as a matter of fact, uh, one of our uh, advisors introduced us to an individual who heads up an Australian association, basically of uh, technology network that is big down here. I don't want to say who it is, but um, the short version is we were speaking with this individual and one of the big demands we have in Australia is cyber talent. Okay. And, you know, like everyone's pretty jacked up about how co well Australia is doing with COVID broadly. Um, but when you're on an island and you shut the borders and you're not all that big a country, you don't have a lot of resources to pull from. So we're looking for cyber talent like hen's teeth down here. Right. It's just, you know, you know, and that's some of the stuff that we're involved in is identifying uh, out of our population who has the inherent uh, transferable skills to effectively work in the cyber environment so education institutions governments can start you know tapping those people on the shoulder and say hey you could do this but separately what it was really interesting because this individual said last night she said Mike you know we had this this individual come in for uh, a sock role and uh, in, in the cyber sector and um, she said this person was arguably the most qualified person our CISOs had ever seen in Australia and probably competed with the top-notch talent in the United States. Okay. She said, we've never seen anything like it. Everybody in Australia would want someone with those the, the level of qualification on those technical skills. Then she said, the problem was, because we were talking about ability map and applying it in their network, she, she said, the problem is the individual's human capabilities were terrible. I could not bring them into the organization because they would have just wrecked the organization. 
that was the clearest example of where somebody can have the best of the best of the best in the quals, the tech, the certs, all that component. But when it comes to fitting in an environment of working with other people, they're destructive. And so understanding that is critical to productivity as well as satisfaction, because that individual, if they came into the organization, it's not only not, probably not going to dig the job themselves, but think about what the impact's going to be on the other people. Yeah, it's going to be um, uh, pervasive. I mean, it's going to be just a huge impact. Uh, yeah, wrecking ball. I was going to, uh, detrimental. I was going to say, but you're, but I, I like your language much more. I mean, the thing about that that I find uh, particularly fascinating about this this area of HCM, right? This this sort of corner of HCM, is that a human? You know, this particular person, this woman, did notices she she sort of um you know she she caught this right you know that this person was a you know had all the had all the uh, on paper looked great but met them just didn't have those human skills and uh and i love that the human skills and and i can only imagine now what's funny though is not in this particular instance but in many instances across all of industry in talent acquisition right all sorts of people like that get through the filters and get hired <laughs> they, they, and they don't have the human skills and it's because it's humans making the decision making uh, based on their, you know, on what they think is right for the role versus what is actually right for the role. Well, okay, let, you're right. So let, let's, let's break that down a little bit because think about what happened, that individual made it through the application process was probably screened by one of this individual's recruitment team right at least one screening um this individual got to basically the senior vp of hr okay so think about all the people that had to be touched before this critical role got to that position at which time she identified how big an issue this is so there is a lot of time cost wasted of the organization, as well as the individual, let alone had they hired them, the knock-on effect of one month in, in this case, she said, I think it would have started to show itself in two weeks. That's what she said. <laughs> so then if they had the courage to do what so many of us don't do well, which is to move the person out of the business, most of us sit on our hands after four weeks, we know it's not right. Three months later, we go, oh, we, I really got to do something about that. All of a sudden, it's a year on when we still have a, a culture pirate in the business. I mean, this is broadly, that happens a lot. Some of us don't do that. Some of us do. But, um, you know, the, the, the knock-on cost, I mean, if you just think that through, the knock-on cost and just hard cost in bringing them in and not weeding them out earlier, um, because somebody had a biased view that those quals overrode everything without considering the human aspect. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the thing that's interesting about that is that, too, is those costs, um, you know, they 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 accumulate. They, you know, it's like a <laughs> snowball, right? So, so if you if you stop it right at you know the initial screening and in interview, right, then that's great because you've only uh, you've only uh, wasted uh, you know maybe fifteen to twenty minutes of time, right? Um, 
well, not, excuse me, <laughs> not including the time it took to source that person, right? Um, but then it, as it goes along, right, you're, you're, you're wasting more and more time. And then, and then okay, then you, then you can think of, okay, from date of hire to date of departure, all right? You can go straight from date of hire. You can skip all that part where they were they actually they were actually employed by you. Just go to date of, of departure, and then and then you can factor in calculate in for instance you know, uh, Sherm's uh, you know it's ninety percent to two hundred percent of employees annual pay to 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 replace them. That's the cost, right? It's, it's you know and for a high level coder, coder like that it might be in the one hundred seventy percent range or higher, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Not, yeah, and not to, not to the impact of productivity of other people, because he had someone who was, people were wanting to go home at, you know, they were watching the clock at, you know, 4.30 to get out of the office, or, you know, to shut down their Zoom. Um, but maybe, exactly. maybe, maybe, so, so because we've talked about this, and I know that there are people who probably, you know, didn't see the first episode, if we just acknowledge that human skills, transferable skills, human capabilities, are important. Um, uh, maybe we talk a little bit about, well, how might AI and tech uh, in different parts of today address that use case that we're just talking about? And, mm -hmm. and what are some of the concerns that we're seeing? Because I'd go back to, you know, a few years ago, AWS came out with, a, or Amazon came out with this AI tech that started basically, the, the, the technology started building in biases. Um, you know, that it had. And because AI is a black box, this thing's just running. I mean, and if you follow Musk at all, Musk is all about AI is one of the most dangerous things this globe faces, you know? Um, so, you know, I think there's a, there's a really, um, you know, there's a set of, uh, is it morals? That's not the right word, but we're ethics. facing, yeah. what is it? Ethics. It's an ethical, ethical dilemma, yeah. Yeah, there's a real ethical dilemma that's coming with AI, and I'm I'm all for it, but um, you know what was it? Probably four years ago, Sumzer and I, uh, John Sumzer and I, I was on a podcast of his in San Francisco, and he goes, Mike, are you guys using AI? Because everybody back then was saying, Oh, we're AI this, AI that. All the HR tech was right. And I go, John, man, I haven't even gone near AI. I'm not going to touch it until I have an evidence base that I know, based on the best research, is rock solid, right? And then once we have that, then that gives me a governor against letting an AI, you know, letting AI sort of start using that as a data source, because I know a reference point is of high quality. That's the risk that I see in this, is that when you put a, when you create a black box, and it starts going out and making its own decisions, you know, and that is the risk of AI. The, it, it will, it, the, the pace of decision making, the way decisions are made, it will come up um, I mean, there's all sorts of books on this. I'm trying to read a bunch of them right now, but it comes up with, it, it can come up with solutions, absence of ethics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, 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 one of the concerns is, and, and I, I know John Sumser, and it's so funny you mentioned his podcast. I was about to mention John Sumser and, and the research he's done into AI with the HR examiner and all that. It's really great yeah. stuff. Um, really? Yeah. 
and one of the one of the concerns is around you know the the, the development of the AI and who's developing the AI and their yeah. biases they're inherent but that they're unaware of it's not that they're yeah. being mean or they're purposely you know doing the wrong things it's just it's they 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 do what they know right and and yeah. so now maybe you could help us understand a little bit around that because to my mind let me just sort of my my position or not my position but my thesis or my de developing hypothesis or whatever it is 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 it deal with Maslow's hierarchy? No, we can talk about that okay. later. Then. <laughs> <laughs> this idea that um, so we talked about this the, applying the psychometrics to this dilemma first, not to the hiring dilemma, to the talent acquisition, to the idea, to the dilemma of who, how do I bring the right people into my organization? How, would I, how do I understand what my organization is on the inside so I can bring the right people in who are going to fit in that way, um, not just the people who know how to do what I need done, right? So there's a psychometrics piece of it, um, which is part and parcel of ability map, Right, and then, but then, and sorry if I'm wrong on that. Um, but then, how do we? What are they doing? What What are some examples of what they're doing with AI right now that's sort of ignoring sound psychometrics and could be, you know, sort of derailing this very um, um, a diligent, assiduous process? to do it right with psychometrics first and then developing enough data and then setting loose AI on that. Am I making any sense? I think so. Let's, let's, let's start going down it for a second. So first off, have you read Homo Deus by chance? No, I have not. I got it right okay. there. Homo Deus, uh, the first book is called Sapiens and Sapiens is a history of humanity. And then Homo Deus means God, God, man, right? God, human. And it talks about our, um, our uh, uh, humanity's pursuit of eternal life. And uh, actually, you'll like it because it, it actually ties back to Maslow a little bit. Anyway, but the, <laughs> the, the, last, um, the last chapter is about essentially algorithms and, and, and our abdication of decision uh, responsibility to algorithms and what that means. Okay. Um, and I think that what I'm sort of coming to view is that if you accept the fact that AI um, is able to, um, and advanced computation as well, can process more data, um, look at all the different permutations and make it without the, with the absence uh, of human emotion and bias, that it will be better it, they will be better decisions, which I fundamentally agree. If you like, you ever read Ray Dalio's stuff, Principles? Uh, yeah, I've read some of that, yeah. Okay, so that's that's the same type thing, right? He did it for markets. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, he said, I have to get outside my emotion. And it makes better decisions. He still uses his emotion. That's the part that I think is critical, is that we have to control that we are emotional human beings and that our emotion determines... Um, our emotion, emotional state determines how we behave in an environment. It's we're humans, we're not machines, right? Yeah. So the thing that it, I find so fascinating about the value of psychometrics is when we measure uh, Brent's inherent level of capability, it's based on your behavioral preferences, 
Okay, that's the, a good portion of our framework has behavioral capabilities, sorry, behavioral attributes and preferences underlying our capabilities. That's sort of what we do. But what that means is it identifies what aggregations of behaviors does Brett have a preference for, which means he probably pulls from it a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And he's probably pretty good at it. If you have a low preference for the aggregated behaviors that make up a capability, that means you don't dig it, right? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So at that foundational level, we're getting into Brett's psyche. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, I, I, that reference point is not part of, at least I don't have confidence in turning that responsibility over to a machine to start from the ground up and to formulate Brett's preference. Yeah. What we chose to do was to go out and look at the absolute best research available, identify how do we predict at the highest level Brett's inherent level of proficiency across different capabilities. And yeah. there's a whole bunch of our secret sauce in there, but it's not in an AI box. We did it. Okay. Uh, we tested it. We know what it is. And, and I just believe that the ethical uh, piece of recognizing the emotive nature of humans to either want to do or dig doing is such a critical element to us working together in an environment. If we don't have a foundation in that, which I, I personally haven't seen enough evidence to show me that that important as aspect of humanity is being mm -hmm. properly considered. Um, yeah. I think we're, we're at risk of making uh, inconsiderate, yeah. unemotive considered uh, potentially unethical in the human context, not in the AI context. They're, they don't care. It's yeah. a zero-sum game, right? Yeah. But that's not the way we operate. That's not the way we want to live. At least I don't. Well, so, they, yeah. Does that, so, does that help? Yeah, it does. Um, that If we don't do this, what you're describing... <laughs> If we don't do what you're describing, we're going to be in perpetually uh, more and more increasingly in perpetually combative relationship with AI. And um, and it's going to, <laughs> I, I hate to, you know, invoke a, a, a popular movie, but it could end up looking like the Terminator. I mean, yeah. you know, not to be too cute about it, but but we, we could very well, we want to be in a, uh, reciprocal, positive um, loop of a relationship with AI, and and the cool. way to do that is to is to start in the right place. If we don't start in the right place, we may never, we may very well not have an opportunity to to reset. I, I agree. So check this out. This is kind of interesting. This is a line of thought I'm on lately. All right. So if we accept that because of the you know advanced power of computers yeah. it, it that that uh, complex decisions more data more permutations can be done faster than the human brain can we're we're just about at that point recognizing that there are some 
aspects that still aren't there. But at the end of the day, what we're saying is those aspects that aren't there are the things we care about as human. If you're just looking at a decision-making process and you recognize that a non-emotive system can, you know, sure, we can try to program it to have human considerations, but if you just let it go, it's going to be black or white. It's a Borg, right? It's a yeah. Borg. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Borg. Yep. Right. Now, what I find pretty fascinating is two things. One, we, uh, if I say this right, corporations um, a while back were essentially given equal status as people, more or less, yep. mm -hmm. in the eye of the government. So what that means is a corporation is an entity. A corporation can be sued. It has responsibilities. It can be taken to court, just like a person can. Okay. So when we did that, we essentially said, okay, well, humans are responsible, but now we've got corporations are responsible. Yeah. How big a step do you think it is before we start giving an algorithm, set of algorithms, the equal status of corporations and people? That, that, that's, that's a really good point. Um, probably sooner than later, right? Probably. I, well, and actually, I've read some, I don't, one of the books I was reading, there's actually an, alg uh, an algorithm that has been appointed to a board of a VC company. I think it's in, it might be in South Korea. An algorithm was appointed to the board of a company. To the As board. a director. Okay, wow. Okay, well, we're, we're pro it's probably right around the corner. One, one thing that's, that's interesting to me, and, and uh, I hope this doesn't sound too far out to our, to our listeners, but it, it really dawned on me, I was pulling in onto my road uh, the other day after leaving my daughters off at daycare and it occurred to me, okay, so often we hear somebody, myself even, you know, I caught myself, you know, saying, oh yeah, AI, you know, sort of trust the AI or the AI will do that, right? The AI will figure that out. And, you know, and I really, I realized that I was, I was trusting the algorithm, right? You know, and uh, whatever yeah. else the AI is. Yeah, ways. And then I thought to myself, wait a minute, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes I'm, you know, going about my day and I trust, I have faith in, you know, the, the greater universe that something good will happen or like the right thing will happen, right? And then it occurred to me, wait a minute, am I looking at, and, and I'm certainly not the only person, are we looking at AI almost as a deity, right? And, and that, and, and so, I mean, okay. I've and I've seen headlines about the, the AI God or whatever and all these sorts of things and, and, and then I went down this this rabbit hole that I it was it was, a, it was a real daymare that I won't share with everybody here but, but, um, yeah that's a nightmare that happens during the day it's, it's the opposite of I like that. <laughs> but I mean that's that goes right to you know so but we have the ability right now um at least I think so you know, it seems to me based on what I'm hearing from you and others is that we have this ability right now to, to, since, since we're going in that direction, and at some point we are going to relay, rely on the AI to figure stuff out that we don't know, right? We, and we're going to want it to figure out things in the way that would be beneficial to mankind, right? To humankind, right? Yeah. We have the opportunity right now to ensure that, to ensure that. Uh, but we could miss, I guess I'm saying what I said previously, just a moment ago, but, but in a different way, we could miss the boat on that. Well, I, I, 
So I, did not, I, did, I did not expect to be having a matrix um, uh, uh, did uh, conversation. So I hope we're not boring the hell out of your listeners. Um, I don't but, think so. Okay, I, I think this, I think that, um, you know, humanity is always searching and we always have, I mean, if you go back and look at history, it was about expansion. It was, you know, just, it, that's what we do. We're, we're a virus, okay? We're a plague and we always consume and grow. And some of us, everyone has different views on that. It is what it is. If you take, go back to um, the, the metaphor or whatever you want to call it of people, corporations, and particularly algorithms um, being uh, recognized as en equal entities, right? Mm -hmm. And you recognize that even with what you just said, already you and I, me with ways, you with what you were describing, are abdicating decision authority to an algorithm that may not have equal entity to us yet. And if we accept that algorithms most likely make better decisions than corporations and people, and that's going to continue to increase, then that that situation right there means that we're abdicating, uh, in some cases to corporations, but more and more to algorithms. Mm -hmm. um, that's a risk. And I'll tell you why. It's, it's really interesting. If we go back and look at our data, just an aggregate uh, that we've collected, we measure um, uh, critical thinking, abstract reasoning as part of our evaluation. And the percentage of the population that is highly capable has and this is a cognitive measure, this is not a behavioral measure, the percentage of the population that ha is highly capable um, uh, across critical thinking abstract reasoning is pretty small, mm -hmm. okay? Now, it's, we're talking like 18%, all right? Yeah. So what that means is 18% of the population is able to find themselves in an unfamiliar situation, evaluate what that means, what are the potential impacts and implications, and make a decision that is correct as to how to move forward in it yeah okay that means that 82 percent of our population is less than capable all right now that's okay you don't need to be einstein right. uh, less than highly capable there's about 26 percent, i think it is that are capable okay okay the rest are average and development need okay now the development need um, by memory is about 30 percent now, what that means, those are, the, th those are the individuals that can't critically think. If Siri tells them to jump off a bridge, they'll consider it. <laughs> right. Okay? Right. So I think, I think, so let's get back to HR tech. I think, I feel that we have a personal responsibility to figure out how to maintain human ethics at the forefront of work. Yeah. Okay. Whether it's government, whether it's not for profit, whether it's whatever, right? Yeah. Or for profit, it doesn't matter. And I think if we don't understand what that is, what that looks like, what, how we define it in the environment that we need and want, then, and we can't evaluate individuals across those same criteria, then I think we're missing that opportunity that you're referencing. 
Indeed, indeed. And, and, you know, and to bring it back to HCM and HR tech even more, right? Um, there's this idea that, you know, I think humans need to sort of reserve for themselves their place in the in in the world of work, right? So if we have, you know, if we do this right, then we won't have AI that essentially decides, well, you know what, let's replace this role with with a machine, right? Uh, it, whenever a certain set of criteria aren't met, you know, I was having conversation with um, with uh, another fellow. Um, actually, is our uh, our uh, excuse me our uh, our, uh, our principal analyst who covers finance around the idea of um, of 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 of, um, of how much we pay, say, uh, fast food employees or or high school high school employees. And you know, there's a school of thought that says, well, they're high school kids. You know, they're they're um, they're going to you know they should they should uh, work for less you know and yada 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 and there's there's a rationale behind that but then I guess there's a study out there and I, I don't know who did it but apparently there's a study out there that said if uh, it was a, a restaurant that paid its high school employees a dollar more per hour and they actually performed better as an organization in terms of profits and and all these other metrics so it's interesting so you know you could have an AI right that would look at you know the cost it might just consider talent acquisition in terms of a cost of the employee versus you know another the general ledger or whatever and saying okay well maybe we should just have a machine do a b or c right without necessarily considering that what if we hired high school students at a dollar more per hour we might actually achieve x y and z that could yeah, be I mean, yeah and that i mean those are those are um you know well and again it's you say you know in this discussion topic where you're saying that the the company made more profit than others that didn't so from a profit standpoint that comes out there comes a point where you which is a very um controversial subject but is profit our ultimate motive right. um right i mean you know uh you know <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> I mean, I'm in a company that's a, you know, early stage, high growth company, and I'll guarantee you my shareholders think about, you know, making money, as do I. Yep. But, you know, um, the thing that we think about here, and it's because of the space we're in, is think about it this way. If we, which we do, we define the capabilities that support our vision values and purpose as a, so that's our culture right we think about the capabilities that are necessary to be effective in our in our growing company okay we also think about what are the um capabilities necessary to be effective in the fact that we're working remotely we measure that okay and we measure ourselves the people we're looking to hire everything against our culture and whether they can work effectively in an isolated environment because this is going to go up and down for a while we also measure it against um, the requirements of a specific job um, because different jobs have different types of transferable human skills needed to do that, all right? The, the basic premise is that if you know what that is, and if I go back to our discussion about what are psychometrics, or at least how we use psychometrics, the psychometrics don't do what we do, 
right? Mm -hmm. They measure behavior. The key thing is to aggregate them into what people do. That's part of what we've done. Mm -hmm. But if you, <laughs> the key to this is, if you've been in on a team, in a company, in a family, where the, the foundation of what it's about, you can, you know what it is and everybody's buying into it. In other words, they have a preference for that. They dig doing it and they're good doing it. Yeah. Those are the teams that nobody can stop. Right. Right. It and that, that, that requires that the human element be considered. Yeah. Um, and it be known both in terms of what's required in the environment and what's what does the individual bring to the table. And that determination, I mean, I go back to when Kevin and I first started the company because I come from San Francisco, I come from tech. I'm like, Kev, let's scrape Facebook, let's scrape LinkedIn. You know, we can get all this great data, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's when Sumzer and I had that conversation. He goes, Mike, it's zero time assessment. I go, John, I don't think are we're ready for zero time assessment pulling it off the web and stuff you know it's not i don't think we're there yet we're going back to foundational evidence right and we had this back and forth and we haven't talked in a while i'd love to talk with him again but um the point is that if you if you figure if you figure that out um and then you can incorporate that in ai but you bring people in who have the ethical integrity uh, are bought into the vision of what we're talking about altruistically, a positive environment. Well, that's a pretty good place. Now, the world does not operate that way, but <laughs> yeah. there, there, are, there are companies, there are people that you know, always champion that, and that's where we're at. <laughs> I, well, I don't know how to say it any, any way else, but you know, that's what we're into. Well, that's the thing is that, you know, it goes back to employer culture, having a, a positive employer culture. If you have a positive employer culture, and you have, which is, which, which, uh, you know, is, you have a sense of trust, a sense of belonging, but you also have people who dig what they're doing, working together, who have been, uh, you know, have been evaluated as people with behavioral traits that work well in, in concert together, right? Those are the organizations, and there's research to back this up. I can't cite any of it off the top of my head, but it's, you know, from universities that proves that these are the organizations that perform best, i.e., make the best profit. So that's the thing about it is that, um, which is so exciting and and and, um, and and frankly encouraging is this idea that. Yeah, there's a big there's a big debate over what are we in business for? For you know, is it ultimately to make a profit or something more? And um, that's a, that's an interesting conversation to have. Um, and people that there are people that take sides on that, but 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 really, if you think about it, not to bring it all the way back to abstract and concrete HCM, but um, but but it doesn't matter in my opinion because the best organizations. The, the, the best performing organizations and organizations that make the best profit are going to be more, much more likely than not the organizations that have the most positive culture. It's funny, mate. One of the things that we did is um, my partner's like a, a golf tragic, right? Hmm. So halfway through COVID, you know, like it was tough, right? Because originally our product was oriented toward predominantly recruitment. And then we moved to, uh, we, we were developed through the first half of COVID, kept going for our vision, which is basically, um, you know, full eight, uh, human capital management, 
planning, uh, you know, uh, seeing what you're actually working with from capability, because that then can, can then inform acquisition, development, performance support, and mobility. So that's what we did. But what Kev did in the middle was he went out and he basically talked to a bunch of professional uh, golf coaches and he developed a high performance elite golfer profile. And we started selling that to golfers because the neuromechanics are, are, are what matter in golf, right? Okay. If you have a great swing, um, that's fine. But if you can't calm your mind or focus or set goals or set a strategy, it's the human skills that actually make a good, the, the difference between a really good golfer and not. So we do a profile against that. But my reason for saying that is this. You're talking about workforces. And for some reason, we have a difficult time thinking about, well, boy, yeah, that makes sense that if we have people that we know what we need done and we get people who dig doing that, that should mean that we're more successful. For some reason, the business context, we don't actually get that as much, right? All you got to do is look at U.S. women's soccer. Yeah. Okay. Those ladies are a united team. Look at the All Blacks. Mm -hmm. They are a united team, right? Mm -hmm. They've got a complement of human transferable skills on that team that they know how to tick together and they love doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. In sport, you can see it. It makes sense. In business, it becomes more abstract, but it's the same principle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it, you know what, and it, it goes back to this idea also that, you know, I think that there's an opportunity today uh, at this, at this juncture, right? And, and it's, and it's pressing actually right now that we do, it, but there's also an opportunity to, to understand that, you know, the, the financial, like financial leaderships and accountings view of the organization by that mean i don't mean sort of their you know their opinion of the organization but just their view of it how they look at the organization it's important it is important but it is it's, not it's, the it's full causes, view yeah it's what causes you know like one of our best clients right now is a cfo he's a really cool dude and he gets this stuff he's championed it mm. all the way across the business the ceo um, he just called me yesterday and he goes, Mike, we're reporting up to global. And one of the initiatives is to de-bias recruitment. And he said, I'm so proud to say I'm sending them up this thing on what we've been doing with Ability Map over the last seven months. We've already de-biased recruitment. And I go, good on you, mate. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I, yeah there, are, there are leaders in finance in the, the CFO position that are in the role of CFO who are who sort of they're on the bleeding edge. They're 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 expanding their vision, and those are the people that are super important because there's an opportunity to expand the consciousness. You know, without sounding too corny, uh, of the yeah. organization. I think you know this is it's like if you're if you're judging your organization's success. Well, if you are making decisions on what to do next in the organization based solely on accounting's view or the financial leadership's view of the conventional financial leaders view, right? It's kind of like driving 90 miles per hour at night with your high beams on. Technically you're driving blind because you won't be able to stop in time if a deer comes out in front of you just beyond the reach of your headlights. All you gotta do is run through a fog bank and you're in trouble. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. This is good, yeah. yeah. 
Is that that's really good, mate? I didn't expect this conversation. I never know what to expect when I get with you, and I kind of dig that. Um, so, <laughs> I didn't um, expect it either. <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope your I hope your listeners get value. As we said last time, this was a trip of a conversation, but um, I think I think what's let me just take it back. I think you know abstract concrete HR mm. is. I bought into that concept when you introduced it to me. There are, and it, it ties, as we said, to the yin and the yang of what we're about, right? Um, and I think we touched on it again, interestingly, in that there is a human component that has not been able to be effectively defined, measured, and compared that really matters. Um, it really matters. I mean, it matters. And it matters even more because we're getting to the point where we're creating decision capabilities through advanced computing and AI. And as humans, we have a broad propensity to, um, to abdicate decision authority to those. And if we don't get particularly leaders, but more people who are able to um, behave and operate in line with human ethics, you know, it, it could get ugly. Yeah, yeah. I, I Beautifully stated. Th thank you so much for joining us, Mike. This has been fantastic. Um, I have to get to baby watching now. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, well, we could continue speaking. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, Till next time, and maybe one of these days we'll be able to have a, a beer down under. Oh, uh, mate, I would absolutely adore that. We'll go for a walk in the bush, and I'll uh, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll have a look. It's really good to see you, Brent. All my awesome. best. Take care, Mike. Take bye -bye. care, mate. Bye bye.